Patriots. And today is Friday, January 5th in the year 2024. It's time to get used to the 2024 thing, I'll tell you. It is a crazy world. I think we can agree on that. I think I say that almost every day anymore. And it's really unbelievable the level of trauma we're dealing with on a global scale and the sorts of things that we have to face with societies that have been traumatized and literally can't see truth. And unfortunately, it's come from just very systematic and years of programming that has allowed this to happen. And the only way to literally escape it is to live in the books of, book of Acts and to literally get to a place where we are starting to free people and set them free in the most amazing ways. But to do that, people are going to have to really deal with the acceptance, one, of Christ and to the deeper healings that come from that. They can only come from Jesus. So this is going to be our biggest challenge, I think, going forward in all that we do because the, the fact of the matter is, is that we are in a place right now where our world is so upside down, so tormented, so absolutely ravaged by years and years and decades of destruction of the family value system, of the whole concept of what it is to be children of God, the idea of literally working in a place where we are walking as the children of God and not being hindered by all the things in our lives that they want us to be hindered by. 
which is to tell us that we are unworthy. And, and I think the hardest part about some of this is how much corruption, and we've talked about this so much, how much corruption occurs in the church and how it's been bought off, sold off, and has accepted a doctrine that is just frankly untrue. So before we begin today, Patriots, one thing that I can speak to and testify for, and I have for quite a long time, is the power of sleep. And we have one of the great products with us, which is my pillow, the sponsor for us, that has truly been a stalwart supporter of this channel and, and of the Patriot movement across the nation. My pillow has some great sales going on right now, and they have the best sleep products out there. I was just spent my night sleeping on a my pillow 2.0, which I happen to love, and in my pillow Giza cotton sheets. And here I am talking about this stuff as we talk about the rising of men. And here I am talking about sheets and pillows. Sometimes I shake my head. I'm like, "What are you doing, Scott?" But I do because it makes a difference. Uh, you know, I've slept literally have slept around the world in some really, really crazy places. Oh, I was just thinking of one. We went into sleep at an Afghan National Police headquarters that had been abandoned and overrun by Taliban. And it was literally covered when we walked in with poop. And so we had to clean all that up and then throw our bags down. And once we clean and sanitize it, then we had to throw our bags down on the hard concrete. Let me tell you, when you go to those extremes and then you can snuggle into a MyPillow 2.0 and Giza cotton sheets, you're like, I'm in dreamland. So check it out. Head on over to MyPillow.com forward slash bars. Think of MyPillow. That's just forget the AMP thing. It's a bad image. You, you, you want to get that out of your head right now. And uh, grab some MyPillow stuff. MyPillow forward slash bards. MyPillow.com forward slash bards. Promo code bards, B-A-R-D-S. And you've got free shipping with all your orders right now. It's great. They're a great company. So continue to support them as we do. Well, speaking of drama programming, this is why I wanted to kind of get into this this morning. I'm going to play this morning two pieces, and not back-to-back, -back, but through the show. And the first one of these, both of these are by Greg Reese, who I absolutely love this guy's work. He's obviously InfoWars. His research is stellar. And much of the reason I, I like so much of what Greg Reese does is he's paralleled in his research many of the things I talk about here. I want to begin this morning with a piece he just did, five minutes, on trauma based mind control. You've heard me talk about it in many forms as a very concise and well put together piece. Take a listen. In trauma-based mind control, trauma is used to hack into the mind and body's defense systems in order to train a person's behavior. This is accomplished in three steps. In step one, the victim's identity is destroyed. This is achieved by depriving the victim of their basic needs and inflicting pain upon them until they become exhausted, confused, and disoriented. In this state, they no longer trust themselves and become receptive to guidance from an outside authority. Step two, through a strict system of rewards and punishments, the victim is imprinted with a new identity. The new identity is trained to self-isolate by having it denounce everything associated with the previous identity. And finally, with step three, through the continued use of trauma, the rebuilding of the victim's new self is crafted and maintained however the mind controller chooses. For this to work, the subject must remain oblivious to the fact that they are being trained. This is accomplished by keeping them in a helpless victim state of mind with the use of trauma. The entire method requires regular ritualistic abuse to keep the target in the victim state. Declassified documents show how drugs and sensory overload are used to inflict trauma upon the public. But high-level slaves are often procured from families with an established history of child abuse. Intergenerational or multi-generational trauma abuse is when a person abuses their child and that child grows up to abuse their child and that person grows up to abuse their child and so on. This increases a person's susceptibility to trauma-based mind control. Experiments with mice have shown that the offspring of a traumatized pregnant mother are born depressed and exhibit problems socializing with others. A nurturing upbringing by a healthy surrogate mother did not reverse the abnormal behaviors, indicating an in utero transformation of the brain. 
and bioinformatic analysis revealed long-lasting alterations in the DNA. This is why the CIA is known for targeting children from families of multi-generational child abuse. They are easier to mind control. This is why world leaders are all from the same bloodlines. This brutal technique has been used and understood for centuries. And if a group of people vying for power wanted a loyal army of soldiers, the easiest way would be by breeding them. And the evidence shows that this is how our society was created. From the middle of the 19th century and well into the next, hundreds of thousands of orphans were distributed and sold in the United States and millions worldwide. They were advertised, delivered by train, and sold at fairs. In America, these orphans were being managed and distributed by a private organization from Britain known as the Odd Fellows, many of whom were orphans themselves. The ancient order of Odd Fellows is an international fraternity whose members, such as Albert Pike and several U.S. presidents during the orphan train years, were often members of Freemasonic lodges as well. With their first official lodge in the United States established in 1819, the Odd Fellows are officially committed to educating orphans, but they seem to have been procuring them and breeding them as well. The Odd Fellows' first female chapter, the Daughters of Rebecca, was founded right before the orphan trains began, and a depiction of their work shows hints of mass breeding and surrogate motherhood. They worked closely with the Odd Fellows at large institutions known as orphan asylums and foundling asylums, where many members themselves were born. The Rothschild banking dynasty provided funding for several of these orphan asylums. According to Philip Eugene de Rothschild, the family has privately bred over 100,000 offspring, including Adolf Hitler. This is why pedophilia is so prevalent among the families of world leaders. While it is used for extortion, its primary function is for trauma-based mind control. Because to the mind controller, trauma equals transformation. And there is nothing more traumatizing to a person than pedophilia. If you had a million mind control slaves placed in positions of power, then you could control entire nations but only if the masses were also kept in a relative state of trauma. Greg Reese reporting. This is something that's really essential to understand what just happened in the United States. We've just been through a mass level of trauma-based mind control as a nation, as a whole. The world has, but particularly focusing on the United States. And what this also suggests, which is something I've been exploring for some time, is what is the actual motivation of the injection? The fact that the injection is now being proved to be passed on to the offspring, there is likely an effect of dealing with trauma-based mind control built into this injection, that the trauma now in the pregnant mother will be transferred to a child that will suffer from depression and will suffer from other ills that will make them incapable of awakening and they will be subject to a, a slave state. This is the really sad event that we're in now. And we know that there, as I begin this discussion today, we know that there's only one way through this. And that through this is the acceptance of Christ in our life and the pursuing of expanding the, the gospel of Jesus Christ into people's hearts. I say these things because we have to understand the weapons of warfare in which we are dealing with. We have an enemy that is in control of the systems of influence, the systems of medical, the systems of military. They're in control of the systems of politics and banking. They're even in control of the systems of education as long as we participate in their network of systems. And the idea that we are continuing to try to pursue to change from within is probably more naive than it is, if not foolish, than anything else. But citizens in this nation are not prepared for the idea of having to change the government because they have become so subject to trauma-based programming over the years that that idea is outlandish to them. It wasn't outlandish to our founding fathers, nor was it outlandish to our colonialists. I reference a story regularly by John Jay, who was our first Supreme Court justice, who also negotiated the first treaty or the trade treaty with Britain after the Revolutionary War. When he came back, and after he had finished the negotiation, he gave favor to England for trade status, 
and we basically had lost everything and gained nothing after the war. He wrote that he could ride from Philadelphia to New York in the dead of night and see clearly by the number of effigies that were being burned of him. People were very awake then. They were engaged. And this is another part of your hidden history that they didn't want you to know. They don't want you to know that people in the United States were well-educated, that they were very awake, that they were reading regularly, and more importantly, that they were literally running on levels of genius. And this is why. Trauma-based programming is based is built into our school system, and native to that is an understanding of what actually happens in education. The education system, as you should all know by now, was designed specifically to create obedient work slaves, factory workers. It wasn't designed to create people of free will and open thinking. The critical part of the public education system came with the introduction of mass assembly lines like Henry Ford's. And if you look at the introduction of that, it parallels that of the rise of the wars in which we had. 1917, which was a false flag event that got us into the war, and World War II, which was another false flag event that got us into the war. But they needed obedient slaves to work the factories as they sent the men of three free-thinking men into war to get them slaughtered and traumatized by war. There has been a systematic attempt and an organized effort to destroy this idea of a nation that was run by we the people. And it begs the question what Ben Franklin was also saying is now you have a republic, good luck keeping it. What did he actually mean? Many people give him favor to say that he was not optimistic that the people could keep it. We now have to ask the question of if he knew something was coming. And if he understood that there was an, a war coming that was going to go after the war, after the minds and the free will of the Americans. This is part of us understanding the deeper part of our history and awakening to the deeper peace. He realized what a big threat this idea was of a country ruled by the will of the people under the foot of God and putting government subordinate to the will of people. This sh put shockwaves across the world. And it's not surprising that our founding fathers saw this as New Jerusalem here in this nation. And it's not surprising how much effort has been placed to place the worship and idolization of the term Jew and the term Israel or the, and the country Israel within the pulpit so that people would literally worship that as a center of power and worship that almost more than they worship God. Furthermore, that they wouldn't see themselves as the sons of the Most High or they wouldn't see themselves as the, as the children of God, but rather they would see themselves as a lesser Christian than those that were in Israel. This is the power game of how trauma-based programming works. And worse is that it's accepted. And it's accepted by the many because they've become so deeply indoctrinated. Stepping out of the matrix is not an easy thing. And it's a process that we all have to do, and we do it through literally reading the Gospels, getting into the Bible, and letting the Bible read you. You have to step away from the expected knowns. You have to read past the words and let what God has to tell you pour into you because it's there that you truly become reconnected and your DNA gets be rewritten within kingdom. We have a, a challenging road ahead. And I've asked this question last night on the show if you didn't hear it, but it was an important question to ask. 231 people on, on 1st of January were on a letter. I was one of them. that was sent to the Pentagon. It was sent to the Joint Chiefs of Staff and sent to senior members of the, of the Pentagon and stated that we were going to hold them accountable for their crimes or illegal crime of mandating the COVID vaccination onto soldiers, which is really a death shot, and in their acts of treason against this nation and in violation of Nuremberg Code. That single letter of 231 signatories of one-page letter received a full court press attack, counterattack by their cyber agencies across this nation. Many of them proxies contracted, not directly under the control of the military, but contracted as, as, as proxies to the military. And, did, and there's been a full force effort to try to erase that document from the web. In spite of that, there's still been over 10 million views on this document, and there's been over 11,000 people sign up online to support it. But nonetheless... It created a massive force of the United States government and its military apparatus waging war against free speech. And yet, the Epstein flight logs were released and nobody stopped them. And here's my theory. The Epstein flight logs represent a non-threat because when people see it, they'll simply read it, they'll start saying, oh my goodness, and they, will not account, they won't call for accountability because they'll expect someone else to do it for them. 
This is the outcome of a very effective trauma-based programming in this nation. And much of it has come out of the COVID con. But the other one is different. Because it's naming names and it's calling out people specifically and telling them they're going to be held accountable. That results in an action-driven effect. And it causes people to start asking deeper questions, which can break the programming. When people start to break the programming, they become a greater threat. And so part of the letter, what the consequence of the letter, though I would say it was not by design, but I do think it was by God's hand, is it has shaken the root of trauma-based programming for COVID-con. And it's one of the many reasons that they find that to be so such a threat. I just got an update here on, on chat. It said that the current number of people that have signed up on that online petition, which is militaryaccountability.com, is now at 12,815. So it's moving in spite of their efforts to stop it. This nation is deeply traumatized. It's a nation that has gone to a place where, and I, as I use examples, as, and we can find these examples of the level of trauma-based programming, is that when you have somebody in their life who is willing to take their child and have them surgically altered to remove their reproductive capability for the rest of their life, whether it's to have genitals removed or whether it's to have breasts removed, this is the example of an effective trauma-based programming on entire society to where that idea is actually considered, defended legally, and people accept it. We have people sitting on school boards that are literally putting pedophile material and pornography material in the libraries. We have librarians supporting it. We have school board members defending it. And we have sheriff offices saying that it's our right. We must be civil when we talk about it. Think about that. The lusting of another woman or another man is considered a sin. Just the thought of it. And so we are living in a world now that is so far beyond biblical that they are now defending the right for those that are non-biblical to have their way. This is an outcome of a trauma-based programming system. And our society is rife with it across from front to back. We have leadership pools of people that they are selecting, that they are using the dominion system to put in place and other measures of corruption. And so in, while people want to get into the political system and change it from within, they need to understand that they're surrounded by people that have been groomed from the womb, not just from birth, but from the womb, to be obedient slaves to the system. We don't have to worry about how they get to them. They are already arrived, they already arrived primed for this because everybody that is in there is selected by the trauma in which they've grown up. And it's very important to understand how rigged this system is. The Odd Fellows referenced by Greg Reese is significant because this is one of these places in our history that nobody wants to talk about. It was the mass importation and distribution of orphans. Where did they come from? And now we know more and more that they came from birthing clinics. What did they find in Ukraine? Birthing clinics. All of these things are critical to understand because the trauma of a child comes from the womb. And if it's a traumatized mother, they will be a traumatized child. The nurturing that we need begins in the womb. And you see this with studies of people around the world where parents will sing to a child and speak to a child in the womb. But notice how we've done this in definition, even in abortion. Abortion is now looked at that the child is not alive. It's, it's, it's just a, a mass of cells. They're doing this because they're, they're creating trauma in the minds of the mothers even before the child is born. The mother is not recognizing, not all mothers, but the idea is to get mothers to not recognize their child is alive until after the trauma is already created. Very critical importance here. Because once you start to understand that the, from the moment of inception, that child is a, is a living being, then you understand the importance of nurturing it with love. And love is the key. But once they separate that idea and they call that child a mass of cells, that is a measure of programming of trauma from the very beginning. And so from that inception until the point when the child is born, a mother that's carrying that, that believes that the child is not alive until a certain number of weeks or whatever that is, or believes that they have an option to abort it, that type of thinking is being embedded into the DNA of the child. These are trauma-based programming techniques. And all of this is leading to children that are traumatized as they arrive. Now, it's interesting, and I said this last night, and it's very interesting to follow this thread because the Bible says that it is our obligation to protect the widows and the orphans. And I have to tell you, when I've read that, I've struggled with this because I'm like, why do we focus on this? Because what about, what about the children in general? 
What about the families? But the child says the orphans and the widows and the and the children and the orphans. Excuse me. And so, when you look at what they've just done, and just take our military alone, the attempt was to kill off the majority of our military, or at least create them, put them in a state of disability. What would that leave? That would leave widows and orphans. And there was, and they're doing this over and over to create a society. When we look at the idea of the Oddfellows Society, what were they creating? They were using women in birthing clinics, which I guarantee you they were being forced to be made pregnant and forced to have children. And they were producing children in mass and then shipping the orphans out and even selling them, protect the orphans. Because all of this, once you separate from the nurturing of the family, which the God, God set up as the unit to protect our faith and protect the power and glory in which he gave us his authorities to protect this world. They have, their war has been against that family in secret for generations. This is not small. And the magnitude of this is when we take this into Alfred Kinsey and we take this into Sanger, Margaret Sanger, and we start to watch those threads of what they've been doing to disrupt the family and rake it, rake it at the core. You're starting to realize that how effective they have been in totally changing us in the way we see things. Simple thing, and I'll just speak it this morning, but I have, I have been literally had people rail at me for suggesting that our bedroom practices are associated somehow with demonic activities and we should have nothing to do with that. It's not our business. And yet, when we start to look at the way this works and the effectiveness, they have completely destroyed our value structure within our families to where we will literally anymore accept anything in our homes. We will allow the principles of degradation and relationship to God in all ways. And we will go so far now as parenting to allow parents to literally have a child's genitals cut off, to have them neutered, or have a young girl's breasts severed from their body so they could never again reproduce. So all of this is a master plan. It began in the early 1800s. It was a plan to destroy the family in the United States, which was the most powerful unit, to destroy God, to rip it out, and to place Satan as the main worship center in this entire nation. And behind the power structures of this world has been Satan. I say all this because I will say very personally, when, when God put this on my heart as a message to carry, I didn't see the whole message. <laughs> I took the flechettes for it. I took the stone throwing for it. And the more that I dig into it, I just praise God. Because the real fight has always been against the family. The real war that's hidden behind the politics and behind the economics, it's all closed down to the family. Behind the education, behind the, the, all these things that we have in our world, they all root down to destroying the family. And not only destroying the family, but traumatizing the children in the womb so that what is birthed is a different type of being. It's a being that is now subject to the state. And the more that they work this over generations, the more effective they become into creating an obedient mass of slaves. They don't need a zombie apocalypse. They've already created it. And that's something that needs to be settled in. This vax is a trauma. Everything about this COVID con was about trauma-based programming on a global scale, in particular a scale in the Western cultures, to completely destroy their ability to think free. And so in doing this route, taking this down to the root, you have to ask again, as I started a bit ago, what does this vax actually do? We know what it does to the physical body. For those that don't survive it, there's usually myocarditis, it's blood clots, it's cancers. It's autoimmune diseases. All of these things are collective outcomes of, of in, in taking that injection, which is a death shot. But for those that do survive it, what is happening? And what we know is there's trauma going on within a body. It's, it is conveying trauma into the fetus. And that trauma has to do with modifying DNA. And that's the fright, most frightening part of this, because these people understand. Whoever created this shot understood exactly what they were doing, and they built it around a trauma-based programming injection. So it's not just the injections a death shot, it's worse. It's creating a trauma-based fetus that when it comes up, out, when it arrives, it's not of God or not connected to God as it should be. Paul Cantrell had an amazing revelation the other day, Pastor Paul Cantrell, and his statement was that the reason that children and, and the wisdom class or elderly get along so well is each of them are the closest to the father. The child is arriving just from the father, the, the wisdom class is getting closer to going back to the father and they see each other 
And the beauty of this bridge is that the wisdom class should be passing on their wisdom into the child as they come into this world. As the child gives the wisdom class reassurance of what they're going to, where the wisdom class will be going to, the wisdom class passes on the wisdom of the world into the child to give them strength as they walk in the world. It's a beautiful vision. But notice how that has completely been dismantled in our nation. Completely. Children walk into this world now traumatized. They're traumatized now by some because they're taking the injections. Injection after injection after injection is traumatizing them, drugging them, destroying who they are. Then they're subject to the programming. The people are willfully putting their children into programming clinics called public schools. And within that time, instead of the wisdom class being part of their nurturing, the wisdom class is now being cast off willfully by us into retirement homes and places to keep them out of the way of our house because it's too inconvenient for us to take that burden. Once you sever those both ends, we leave us in the middle. We're wandering the desert. And we have no ability without those two bring bridge together to ensure a future that will be positive. They have done this intentionally. And as hard as these realities are to face, it is something now to sit back and take a deep breath and realize that we have a choice to make. And the choice is who we will follow and whom we will serve. And that means making changes to a way we live, changes in the way we see the world, changes in what we're willing to accept, changes in what we want for us versus what we want for kingdom. These are pivotal moments in our thinking and our acceptance of God deep within our heart. Now this trauma-based programming is just getting warmed up. They're far from over with it. I wanna play, play another piece for you here. This is a upcoming statement about a very possible NATO false flag. Now keep in mind that these are projections, they aren't, they aren't predictions. And they're not prophecy. But this is based on Greg Reese's work again. But what's important is to understand that everything you're going to hear here, I want you to hear it through the lens now of trauma-based programming. When he talks about how we got into World War I, when he talks about how we got into World War II, all of this was allowed and impossible because people were traumatized. And then as they traumatized the generations, they've continued with this trauma-based programming now down to where it's mainstream in in our face. Take a listen. Just about every major government has been guilty of false flag operations to foment war. America has been guilty of several, but here are just a few. Civilian passengers were murdered when a torpedo hit the Lusitania. Investigations revealed that explosives were inside the ship, which was operated by war profiteer J.P. Morgan. This event is what brought Americans, who were not previously interested in getting involved, into World War I, where they lost over 100,000 sons and daughters. They were also not interested in getting involved in World War II, but after breaking Japanese encryption codes, the U.S. government knew of their plans to attack Pearl Harbor, but the big banks were funding both sides and expected massive profits, so they let it happen to encourage Americans to sacrifice nearly half a million of their children in the Second World War. In August of 1964, the USS Maddox and the Turner Joy knowingly lied about being fired upon by North Vietnamese ships. For two hours, they fired at nothing and maneuvered as if under attack. President Johnson was aware of this deception, but kept it secret to initiate war against North Vietnam and to sacrifice over 50,000 Americans. About 3,000 people were murdered on 9-11 in the most notorious false flag in U.S. history. This was used as a catalyst for the endless destruction of several nations that continues today. Professor Stephen Starr, associate of the Nuclear Age Peace Foundation, was recently on Russia's Solyevev Live, where he discussed a plan being suggested by NATO forces in Germany that stinks of plans for a false flag operation to usher in World War III. They have suggested a scenario wherein Russia sinks an American cruiser in the Black Sea, followed by the United States attacking Russian ships with nuclear warheads, which would then be followed by a Russian nuclear strike against NATO headquarters and a major U.S. nuclear attack on all of Russia. 
They suggested more than 3,000 strikes within one hour and the destruction of all major cities in Europe and the United States. Professor Starr said this would result in 150 million tons of smoke and soot that would block out 70% of the sunlight in the Northern Hemisphere and last about 10 years. It's important to note that it's been NATO forces alone who have been provoking war with Russia for decades, surrounding their border with missile systems and bioweapons labs, and overthrowing Ukraine with CIA color revolutions. The facts show that Russia has been given no choice but to defend themselves against deceptive Western aggression. The anti-human globalist forces that hold a firm grip on America are clearly trying to destroy it from within. If they wanted America to win a world war, then they would not be murdering U.S. troops with the deadly COVID shots, and they would not be manipulating them to castrate themselves under the guise of transgenderism. The globalists want the United States to be plundered and destroyed, but they need a scapegoat to blame it on, and they've clearly chosen Russia for that role. During the American Revolution, Catherine the Great of Russia unofficially supported the colonies by trading with them. Russian ships began delivering hemp, sail linen, and iron to American ports as early as 1763. During the War of 1812, Russia attempted to join as a third-party mediator in support of American independence. In 1863, Russia sent military fleets to New York and San Francisco to put pressure on the British and fight them if necessary. They patrolled the American shores for 10 months. This Russian support of a sovereign America is undoubtedly what led to the Bolshevik Revolution of 1917, when the country fell into communist rule for 69 years. Today, Russia has asked for peace, but the evil powers that want endless war cannot survive unity between the East and the West. False flag operations are the modus operandi of the globalists, and war, mass murder, and division is all they desire. Reporting for InfoWars, this is Greg Reese. So you can see, again, we're starting to understand the deeper parts of our history that have been kept from us. That part about Russia is probably one of the most critical pieces of fill-in of the history that anybody could listen to right now, to understand truly that there's been a bridge of friendship between these two nations since the beginning of our nation. And that goes back to Catherine the Great. And if you understand the history of Russia, truly, as I have spent years studying this, you understand the hatred that they had and the savagery that they've suffered under the hand of the globalists. Russians have lost, since Peter the Great, upwards of 50 or 60 million people dead, caused by globalists and bankers on their soil. There is no love. And the ability for us to build a bridge with Russia is the greatest fear that they have. They are afraid, truly, of Russia and the United States coming together and uniting. Because if we do as the people, the globalists will never have a place to hide. They will be found, they'll be routed out, and they'll be destroyed. The magnitude of this fight is huge. And we know that when we look at something this big, it can be overwhelming. One can even feel their breath to being taken away, asking how. How can we possibly win? And this is where we pivot back to Scripture, a foundational piece that we have in our hand that we have to covet, protect, and defend at all costs. There's a reason they want to persecute Christians. There's a reason they're promoting Muslims. Muslims are effectively go through a trauma-type-based programming with the way in which they are raised. If you're around Muslim culture, I'm not disparaging Muslim culture, but the reality is that way too many children are abused when they're young. There is way too much, there is prolific use of what they don't call it gay relations, but it is pedophilia and it is rape of boys and young men in their culture. It's, per, it's pervasive. The issue of how they, how they pray each day, and if you've been into the madrasas, which I have been, you start to see a trauma-based programming that's really insidious. Children are put into small rooms, hot rooms, and they're, they do literally rocking and, re, re, and incantations. We'll call it repeating of, of their reciting of the Quran. They're forced to, to work in unbearable conditions, and these are levels of trauma-based programming. It's endemic in their religion. So what they're seeing is that they're replacing Christianity with an obedient class. I'm not accusing Muslims of being wrong. I mean, bad people. They've, they're suffering from the hands of trauma-based programming. And then, of course, you have the active agents, provocateur, that have been trained specifically to be violent and to raise up a mother mass and to raise up the rest of the mass as provocateurs to make them hate the West. 
So you have the hands of the globalists in there once again that have seized control of one religion and they've been working to seize control of Christian religion so that they can put the two ends to the middle and ultimately lead everybody to a one world religion which will make them the gods. This is all trauma-based programming centered. So we are entering into a, a new horizon in 2021, a horizon that we have to look at this very critically and ask ourselves, what is it that we are going to do to face off against these, this world order? We have to get back into the word deeply, get back into the word. And that means we have to read that Bible front to back and not just once, twice, but constantly. It has to be within us and we have to do it daily. We have to be in our prayer, and our prayer isn't just about us. We have to start pivoting our prayers away from us and start looking at prayer as a weapon system, that we're working together in teams, in pairs and threes or more to pray against things, to pray for things that God can bring into this world to create greater peace. This is about us walking in the true sense of 1 John 3, literally to love and, and to love thy neighbor, to love thy brother, and to love in a deeper way, to understand that love is not just hugs and kisses, but love is accountability. Love is truth. Love is the mightiness of the sword of the spirit. Love is the judgment of kingdom. And we have to do this on a regular basis because we are in the army of Christ. We all have a very important role to play right now. Nobody is sidelined. You don't, just because you aren't down on the border with Pete Chambers or you're not in, a, in an inner cell planning end of world strategies with former special ops guys, that doesn't diminish your power and importance in this hour. General Patton understood the power of prayer of a nation. And we are in that hour again that we literally need to be praying and praying for victory and praying from victory, not just for victory, but from victory to bring a greater victory of kingdom into this world. And it is not general prayers. You need to be focused on targets. This is what we would call lethal targeting. You need to find those targets, those strongholds, and break them. And it isn't with vengeance of a heart, but it's with the righteousness of a heart to bring these people to Christ, or at least to hold them accountable in the courts of heaven. This is important because we aren't to, to wield a war against the flesh, and they want us to do that more than ever. And if you notice, everything that they do, they wield a war against the flesh. Everything they do is to traumatize the flesh. Everything they do is to traumatize the person, the flesh, to such a degree that they will never escape. That's part of the matrix. Our freedom is to understand that we are not of the flesh, that we are of the spirit first. And when we pivot to that thinking, that acceptance, and we understand that we are truly not of this world, these things all in scripture begin to take a whole different level of meaning and should in your heart when you start to realize what the enemy is doing to us. As I have said to a number of people recently, and they say to me, there is no scriptural reference to this or that. And I say, I don't need a scriptural reference to understand that when the enemy's doing something, I'm supposed to do the opposite because they are the world of inversion and God's world is not theirs. So this gives us strength in going back to scripture then and finding those verses that give us insight into things. They may not give us hard, fast rules, but this is the problem with doctrinists. Doctrinists become so rigid that if it doesn't specifically spell it out in the Bible, then they will not obey. God did not give us an obedience scripture. He gave us a field manual. That's the Bible. And the field manual is to guide us in life, to empower us, and the most important thing, to empower our free will. The fall occurred on the basis of free world, free will versus dead obedience. God did not want to create dead obedience to him. He wanted people to walk in the world with free will to ultimately return to him by their choice and in their choice choose him as their God. And there would be the inheritance that we were expected to receive, he's promised to give us. So these are big issues right now within the way that our faith has been taught. And it is things that I struggle with because it's just like people saying, well, we have to pray for Israel. Know what Israel is. Know who's running Israel. Don't blindly throw your prayers there in support of a satanic cult that's running Israel in, a, in what is a nation state that was purchased by Rothschilds. Ask yourself what the Palestinians are. Who are they? Why are they so hated? And why would a Christian support the idea of annihilating women and children in anybody? But the programming and the trauma-based programming is so severe that people literally see the Palestinians as if they're some, if the occupants of Jericho. And there's no validation of that whatsoever. And then we have to step back again and we say, well, if God created all things, that means that God created those of the Muslim faith as well. So does that mean that I'm supposed to hate them simply because they have, their faith is different than mine? Not at all. There's no hate in love of thy brother. It means we have to pray into these things. We pray in, we pray the, into breaking the strongholds. We pray into severing the ties that bind. We are praying in to freeing the control 
from these spiritual principalities that are holding them hostage. And our attempt is be to be part of the greatest rescue mission in the history of man. That's what you've enlisted for, whether you liked it or not. That's why you're here. And so it goes back to the three words that God gave me for Operation Vineyard. Rescue, heal, restore. Rescue, heal, restore. That's our mission. In sum, rescue, heal, restore. And we do this every day. Our role is significant. Our role is powerful in this hour. We need the voices in kingdom. We need the voices of prayer. We need to love thy brother. When you look at the unity that's happening, say in Michigan and New York, where you have Christians and Muslims coming together on common ground to defend the children, I praise God for this because this is a moment where we begin to see each other for who we are. We see each other for the love of our children, which is what we should be doing. There is nothing more precious than a child. And yet we are doing so much to do everything else but defend them. There is nothing more precious than the power and prayers of a child. They can literally move mountains. And yet we are doing so little to really defend them. We have, I go back to my example, when you have school boards sitting here telling people, defending people, opening up public discussions of whether there should be gay per- pornography material in schools, whether it's children should be exposed to how, to how to have homosexual relationships with one another, whether the children should be exposed to the ideas of changing their gender. There is no should in that discussion. It is a black and white discussion. There should not be any of that in the purview of children, period, end of story. But we've become so trauma-based screwed up in our society that we can't see the truth to say that there is a line that you have to draw that says absolutely no under no circumstances. So the people you're talking to, no matter what negotiation you do, will never come to your place. You will never achieve anything for them because if they've accepted that as a possible outcome, that to pollute a child's mind is okay, you are dealing with a predator. Somebody who wants that child for some other reason and probably for their own pleasure. And worse yet, as much of these people that are traumatized, they gain pleasure in seeing other people suffer because that's what they know in their relationship to, quote, love. Study Stockholm Syndrome, begin to understand the magnitude of this, that where the a captor and a, an abuser becomes the one that the captive begins to worship. And over time, it's difficult to separate the two because it be, creates this bond. And what is that bond? It's a soul tie. It's a spiritual bond and a soul tie that's created through trauma. This is why spiritual warfare, this is why deliverance, this is why all of these things are so important to understand because they're the mechanisms and tools in which we have to go in and to wage war and to free people. When you listen to the testimony of CJ, who is a satanic ritual abuse overcomer, CJ Moyer, she was at Bards Fest. When you listen to her testimony, listen to it deeply. Understand what she had to overcome and what she still has to overcome on a daily basis. Every day. But what we're missing here in this whole thing is that we have such a significant role in this because the churches continue to push the message that we are unworthy. That's a message right out of the bowels of hell. We are very worthy. We are not perfect, but we are very worthy. In fact, we are more than worthy. We are the front line of a fight to come execute the greatest rescue mission in the history of mankind. So that makes us not just worthy, but it makes us the victors of the hour that we have to live into. We can pull this thing back. I don't have any question about that. And the reason I know that is because of the story of Gideon. And I know that that pulling it back, God doesn't need 31,000. God needs, or 32,000. I always get this number screwed up, so I apologize. God needs 300. 300, which is not a, it's a metaphor. It doesn't have to be a fixed number. A doctrinist will say 300 and that's it. I'm saying it's a metaphor. The principle is that God doesn't need the full mass of people. He needs the hearts of the men and women that are pure to him, trust in him, and will be obedient to him by free will. And there is a path, as much as we have free will, there is a righteous path which we will follow that is the ideal path that God wants us to follow. It is the heart of God. Seek it. Pray into it. Ask him where he wants you. Live into it. Listen to him. And be part of that walk that he wants you to be on. And sometimes that makes for some very hard decisions. Things that we want may not be what he wants. And this is why we are constantly and should be constantly checking in with him to say, God, is this your will? Let me walk your will. 
These sorts of prayers are part and essential in this fight as we get to know him better and get to hear his voice better because he will guide us. And in so doing, the army that he's created will position itself perfectly on the board. But we have to be willing to position ourselves and through the obedience in him. Our world needs this more than ever right now. It needs a remnant. And we will overcome all that the enemy has put before us. And we will subdue the enemy. And we will expand the kingdom and we will prosper. But right now, the enemy's created a massive trauma across this world. And where we, what this world needs more than ever is it needs the sons and daughters of the Most High to step in now, to assume the authorities given to us by Jesus, and to pivot on that piece that says greater works, to understand the idea of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, to understanding the idea of healing the sick and the wounded, and to have faith that you can do it, not somebody else, but that you yourself can do that. And though you may not see the results right away, you have to believe when you pray on somebody that it is going to be answered and never doubt that, ever. And then you have, we have to get to the place of casting out demons, which we call deliverance, which is more than just casting out demons. It's inner healing and it's bringing the awareness of the purpose of God into the person's reality so that they know why they're here. That's true deliverance. Delivering from all the brokenness that exists within the spiritual realm, which ex- includes demonic and it includes spiritual trauma and emotional trauma to be able to pull them forward into an, a healing to such a degree and a freedom that they can literally look in the world and say, now I know my purpose here on earth as a child or of the, of the most high. And then we have raising the dead and raising the dead is most, it's spiritual to raise them up from a spiritual dead and it's physical. How many children are we praying for when they've dropped dead from this myocarditis or something as a result of the shot? How many people are we praying into to say, Father, bring them back? We're not. We're doing it very little, and we need to be doing it more. And no, we may not get it every time. But the more that we do it, the more that we discipline ourselves, the more that we understand and Holy Spirit will lead us into the tools and methods in which we need to do to bring these things, to make these things happen. This is our training ground of the fundamentals of warfare. These are the tools and techniques of the individual to fight. And then as we press into greater works, I don't know what greater works is, but I know there's one thing in there. And I know it's there because it has to do with everything we just talked about. But instead of the individual, for us to come together collectively and be able to pray in healing, to be able to pray in deliverance, to be able to pray in raise the dead to a society, to a whole, to a whole group of people, and to advise the leaders of the countries, because that's who we are. We are the princes and we are the priests of the world. So embrace this walk, own it with pride, pride in a good sense, not pride in an arrogant sense, with the knowing that you are part of the body of Christ, that you've been gifted and reborn through him to do something great in this world, not to just wait your time out and wait for to be pulled out by some magic, magic moment when you're going to be pulled out of the fight. That's not the way we're supposed to be wired. This is where the fight is. And your fight in the spiritual is just as trench driven, just as dangerous as the fight in the flesh. And I would argue more, more dangerous and more important because in order to win the flight of the flesh, we have to be victorious in the spirit. That's our mission. That's our focus. Rescue, heal, restore. Rescue, heal, restore. It should be printed on you and almost like it's embedded in your heart because it's everything that we do and every step we make. And the more that we walk this path, the more that we turn to God, the more that we ask him where he wants us, the more that we listen to him, the more that we pray into these things, the more that we become extreme radically good fighting machines. And we have to be. We become the special operations groups of the world that are now waging war and strongholds and being victorious over evil. Let's pray. Father God, today we sit here before you humbled and blessed. And we ask now for the greater anointings that come from the understanding that Holy Spirit can provide, for the deeper understanding of the principles of the short list, as Pastor Dave Bryan calls it, of what we do as we walk with Christ. Not only to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, and to do so with the power of Holy Spirit in every word we speak, so that we reach the hearts and pass through the, the, the sealedness of hearts that are encased with so many. But greater than that, that we now have the ability to heal the sick and the broken, to deliver people, and to raise the dead. Father, we just ask that that understanding be downloaded to each person, that inspiration, that courage be downloaded to each person and to be unwavering, relentless in their pursuit of these things. 
and to do so with the purity of heart, of love and kingdom, and a fearlessness in this world to realize how important we are in this hour. Father, this is a remnant that's rising, a remnant that listens, a remnant that is obedient to you, a remnant that seeks you more than ever. And so we humbly place ourselves before you, and we say, Father, send us, send me. And as we do this, we pray for the Holy Spirit to guide us in each step, to be the wisdom that we need, not through books, but through the power of Scripture and the Holy Spirit speaking into us to literally marinate us with the deeper meanings of the words that we read. And may your word saturate us. May your word embed itself in every level of our DNA. May your world, word lift us up in the body of Christ in a mighty way, not just as followers of Christ, but as warriors in the body of Christ to step into this hour and to lead this fight in a most amazing way. So, Father, we ask for this blessing across all of Bar's nation and all people that hear this message. We ask that this blessing emboldens hearts and puts more eyes to you in a deeper way than we ever thought possible. A hunger to dip, dip into the word, a hunger to be with you, a hunger to live in with you, a hunger to follow everything that you say that can be unsatiated but has a constant lifelong pursuit that lifts us up, makes us greater, and makes us more effective in this world, world to bring through a wave of love and healing unprecedented in human history. Guide us, Father, and bless us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Such an important hour to be literally eyes on Christ. Such an important hour to be walking in the mightiness of the body of Christ. All of this we can do without any problem. And it begins in the Word. So, patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you this evening for Bards FM. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe, to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal, but that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man, and man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who moved forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country.
old evil that has waited thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples, it has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words, in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.